Hi, I'm Jory. I played Shayna, the pilot, and it's good to be here. Hi, I'm Eli. I played Clara, the mechanic, and it's good to be here. Hello, everyone. My name is Jordan, and I played the lovable Leo, the scoundrel, and it is good to be here. Hi, I'm Jillian. I played November the Stitch, and it is good to be here. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I primarily played a large Russian woman named Oksana. <laughs> it's good to be here. Welcome to Many Realms. Jordan proposed that maybe we start uh, or question whether we want to start closer to the aftermath of the events of the campaign and then work out, or if people have ideas for specific scenes or characters or elements of the story they want to address in the epilogue. Um, what's going on? Do we want to do a quick, like, immediate aftermath? We've landed somewhere, maybe. Sure. I like that. You've maybe returned somewhere that you consider to be relatively safe. I'd love to like revisit some of our favorite. Um... We're in Nuff nightclub immediately. Yeah, we're inside <laughs> Femi's jacket. <laughs> he went for the XXL. Um, no, I love the idea of being at Nuff nightclub, the famous loud but quiet egg themed nightclub that you guys kept wanting to go back to. It's such a good um, place to be. I love the loud but quiet is the thing. Okay. Uh, we open inside a Nuff egg. Uh, it has, what, did we call them something else? That's <laughs> what we called them. No, I'm just delighted. Yeah, great. Um, we open inside a Nuff egg. I think that you guys maybe, um, you split from the Hegemony Cruiser. Shayna immediately took to one of the back lanes, the hyperspace back lanes that dot Procyon Sector. And after a good 10 or 11 hours of sleeping, eating, resting, recovering, maybe having some light conversation. Uh, she pulled up to Nightfall, uh, a haven for criminals, and decided that you guys all needed somewhere to sit and talk about what to do next. So she brought you here to her favorite club. Uh, my advice was um, like, the I liked to party, True. so this makes sense. This is on brand. This is indulging your vice for sure. This is indulging my vice. Can I clear some stress? I think we're going to clear all of the statistics and not use them in the epilogue, probably, but yes. Um, Good, I don't know where my character sheet is. I don't know where the book is, because I... My scrap! <laughs> yeah. Wait, now you have as much scrap as you want. Now you well, now you have as little scrap as you want, because your arms and legs are not as True. augmented. Now you have the same amount of scrap as us. <laughs> So what, what is the mood like inside of this egg as people are processing all of the stuff that happened uh, on Haven? Is it a little dour, although we're in Nuff Ice Club, Nightclub, which is a hap the happiest place in the universe? You can't use that. We can't use that. <laughs> Takes the edge off. So maybe we're a little bit draggled and a little bit uh, sleepy uh, when we enter our egg and turn the volume all the way down on the uh, club music. And maybe I order us um, 
a bunch of shots in one virgin shot. What? For Come the on. child. I just did so much. Yeah, you much. have to have a virgin shot of vodka. I just did so much yeah, shit well, with give you. this kid some alcohol. We're celebrating. I'm 16 now, Give I this think. little child some alcohol right now. In Montreal, I can drink in two years. I just... <laughs> I just, you can drink in Europe. Yeah, I just say, exactly. It's not virgin. Anyways, I order a round for the table. Because you have the egg set to do not disturb, um, instead of opening and bringing you the tray, a little slot just opens on the side and the, the tray Ooh. with the drinks silently appears. I love that. Noof is actually a, a nightclub for people that have a variety of sensory conditions, and it's like the most accessible and like progressive nightclub in the entire galaxy. I was going to say it seems like a sex club. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Different read. It can be both. That's true. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Captain. Claire takes a shot. We didn't. Yeah, down the hatch. Cheers. I was going to say something. You could still say something. Yeah, he's got to order another round. Two. It's not. I don't want to quite say a job well done. We didn't quite get what we wanted, but to the next phase in that job inspire us captain we're waiting i know i should have written something beforehand but we didn't quite get what we wanted out of that job but we'll go back in the another day we will find those robots and i guess to uh helping out an old new society and i cheers by myself because everybody else already took their shot no, I'll mm-hmm. cheers the empty glass with you. Yeah. <laughs> I might think of something better in post. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here, we'll we'll run it for you. Yeah. Oh, in case yeah. of the bad cheers. Yeah. So, depending on how good it is there for you. Depending on how yeah. good the thing you write is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I quit. <laughs> like, okay. okay. Covers it all. Well, in fact, Leo was talking about how after the last job he was out of here. Is that still the case, Mr. Vance? Uh, I believe that. I thought I said that it's one last never-ending job is what I've been suckered into here uh, inadvertently. His whole thing is that he was there when a planet essentially imploded and it was catastrophic both literally as well as for himself. And this is, it seems like on a silver platter, an opportunity to right those wrongs in some way, to, to... to essentially have some agency in preventing that from happening in some degree again. So uh, I think that it's not something that he has any interest in avoiding because the the alternative is to just go, you know, I guess rot away in some dive bar or something. So, you know, he's going to he's going to try and uh, troop around for for what he believes to be. This is a fairly um, noble, noble pursuit. For a, a noble pursuit for a band of less than noble individuals. And how do you see uh, the failure of your OGs impacting your role in the work with the precursors? And I wonder also how the rest of the group, I mean, like November and Shayna didn't know what happened to Leo, probably until he was dragged back to the ship by um, Clara and Andaris and Fox. So what's the... Um, What's the prognosis there, and what's the what's the feeling regarding Leo? Uh, I mean, I think it's something that he's accepted as a degree of inevitability that's been due to November's efforts has been you know skirted for a long time. But it 
I think it always felt like something that was just on the horizon. So, I mean, kind of just rolling with it, I guess. Uh, you know. I mean, Clara definitely assumed that November would just like, doot, 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 it's fixed. But mm. no. Before the job, November outlined like two like surgery options for you. <clears throat> one of them, the second like more invasive one is to like completely remove it, um, which requires like a team and a hospital and like the best possible circumstances. Um, and the other one I think was like going to disconnect it or something. Which is not, isn't that basically been forced <laughs> to happen? <laughs> it's been, it's essentially been disconnected, I guess. I think he would take whatever your recommendation is in regard to the surgery, but he's definitely a little, um, would definitely have cold feet about that just because of the, the risk involved and going from like some degree of being able to operate and navigate through life to potentially just not being able to do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. Have the side effects subsided since uh, it stopped working? I'm trying to think if that would, because I think it was largely because of the tech, like, and the dependency on it. So I'm not sure, and I think that that's also where it would sit. Like, if posed the question in the bar, that 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 Leah would be like, I'm not sure because this wasn't like an avenue that was ever anticipated and it depends and honestly november would probably be the one that has like more of like an intimate understanding of that um so yeah the first option was to disable the software um because it's like the augmentation is like wearing is causing the wear and tear of the muscles it's like that would drastically slow down the degradation of the arm but you would have to avoid stress and like physical trauma to your arm for like several years. So you'd have to just do some like really intense physical therapy uh, while your muscles remember how to do muscle things by themselves without software. Isn't that kind of what's happening then? Like, haven't they become dumb? So wouldn't that be exactly what's happening? Or I guess. I mean, the second option is to like take out as much as possible without the like foreign tech in your body, your body will have a better time trying to rebuild itself naturally because there isn't stuff in the way. Mm. But you fully can't use those limbs, right? Like, it's not like, oh, now they're just prosthetics. It's like, you can't. I'm not sure, Jesse. I would say, I mean, the, the tech that was like completely actively operating in your arm was totally like wiped out, right? Like instantaneously, the um, it's no longer operational. So, so much of the, the musculature there was being supported by the augs and had become dependent on the augs that I think, uh, yeah, like with the first option where you are um, uh, having it, the software disabled, you're pretty much in a position where for the next several weeks, several months, it's a matter of like this limb is not really functional. It would be intensive amounts of physiotherapy and and training while resting it as much as possible to even begin to restore like uh, what we'd call like average function. 
Yeah, guys, I don't really think I'll be doing a lot of scrapping for the next little bits. Uh, I think it's going to be a long road to recovery, which means uh, November, you and I are going to have to spend a lot of time together. Well, so you finally come to your senses then, have you? Uh, some of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think some rest would be good for you, and frankly, that is just what the doctor ordered. Clara pats you both on the back and says... Don't worry, I'm sure there's tons of menial work you could do at a desk to help out with the Ur stuff. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what else is being discussed in the immediate aftermath here, in this moment? It seems like the crew is coming to a decision that they want to continue this work with the precursors. Mm-hmm. So the question is, where next? Yeah, where indeed. Um... I think what Fox wants and what Fox asks you for, Shayna, is help with a suitable uh, base of operations. The hegemony now knows where Haven is, Mm -hmm. which means it's not going to be a safe place for the return to begin. Not a haven, if you will. The, The haven element that gave it its name is no longer super present there. The the work can be done anywhere. Fox will need a good amount of time to start setting up things like equivalents of the fridge or the diagnostics chamber that will allow the precursors to uh, be released from their robo forms. So he has not left Haven in thousands of years. He last you know viewed Procyon Sector when it was literally uncolonized. Where would you suggest the precursors set up their mission? I think that's kind of a fun way to ask like, are there locations that you guys visited over the campaign that you think would be like a cool place to build a new robo society? I'm trying to think of like where was the least like inhabited. Dangerous. And dangerous. Oh. No, because we yeah. dangerous to us means um, lots of eyeballs and like yeah. a place like uh, Baftoma, for example, is a bad call because there's like uh, Clovis there, which is Australians. Oh, yeah. Probably yeah. <laughs> um, the. I'm thinking the yeah. Oh. Go ahead. I was thinking like where where we started was seemed pretty like the moon of Calliope. Yeah, that's. But what were you gonna say, Eli? I was I was thinking that um, snowy mining town where we had the way murder mystery. Mm, but there's a lot of way murder there. Yeah, I, it's not very habitable. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's also a good option because that was another place where it was like not so much um, hegemony presence. Um, so one of those two places. I'm going to ask um, Fox how he feels about the cold because one was really hot and one was really cold, if I remember. <laughs> I do not want to go back to that mining <laughs> town, mostly just because that episode was the most frustrating thing we've ever recorded. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of a lot of hard rolls. Oh, that was that ones, the ones yeah. episode, ones and twos. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you ask Fox, I mean, as uh, as someone who's going to be working with all of the Urbots as they return, I think he thinks that processors work better in the cold. You don't want to expose electronics to undue amounts of heat. I like the idea of, of turning this shitty mining way colony into something that's like actually useful. Okay. There's also a, uh, a town on the back of like a, a, a whale. <laughs> there is a town on the back of a whale. The hegemony will not find you if you are on a whale. Yeah, but it was pretty populated. <laughs> um, I like, okay, I think I'm convinced by mining town. Okay. I'm sorry, we're going back to Jasmine, our least happy place. 
But we can make it happy. We can revisit it and we can make new memories and we can rehabilitate Jasleen. No, Jillian's giving me a face like absolutely not. Jillian kissed a feller there, if I recall. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that right? (laughs) Kissed a feller. (laughs) Okay, here's a question for each of you. Is there uh, an NPC that you met along your travels that you would want to invite to join on this mission? Because it's going to be a ton of work spanning the entirety of Procyon Sector. They don't have to like fully JRPG like recruited and be moved into Jasleen, although they can be if you want. Um, but yeah, is there anyone you think would be uh, useful or fun to bring along and have in the mix? I don't trust him as far as I can throw him, but we'd have to go with Femi. I was going to say not True. Femi. <laughs> not Femi? Okay, okay. Yeah, what? He is a snake. We're going to see dollar signs, and we're going <coughs> to fucking yeah, have true. guns in our faces within a week. But then he can give them all cool shirts. To be fair, which is his primary. You guys are blinded by this man's accent. No, we're blinded no, by his by jacket. jacket. <laughs> it's a double whammy for you guys. To be fair, the only time he betrayed us was he was forced to. I think we want someone that we don't have to, to preface his joining with the only time he betrayed us. <laughs> I'm going to pitch one here. Um, perhaps someone who was there for us at our darkest hour and and remained there. My boy Mosh, hello? Oh. <laughs> like, well, Clara was going to say, I want Mosh's niece to come. Hello? This guy... What about Hector? Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> grandpa. Hector! I don't remember who Hector is, but you see... My seem trash to grandpa! <laughs> he has the big space station antique store, like... Wouldn't we want a good grandpa? No, trash. Like, he lives in I the know, trash. I know, I know, I know. Don't disrespect Hector. Don't disrespect trash like that. <laughs> I want to say that at the end of this experience, Shayna kind of only trusts her crew. Okay. So I don't think I'm going to, I think I'm going to opt out of bringing anyone in. Okay, I get Shayna's one. No, no, it's transferable. no. Unless, unless, wait. Bring Hector. It's not Hector. It's a person we have not met, which is, can we like snag Oxana's daughter? Aww. Oh, yeah, I think that Fucking would be nice. Guy, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll do something meaner. Going with Femi. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, because Oxana has a daughter that we don't, that we can track down. And if we have like a safe home for them to be together, that would be good. Yeah. Okay, sure, yeah. Um, who's next? Well, I'm going to assume that if... I'm, I'm playing the game here. I'm going to assume that if you bring um, Mosh, he'll bring his family, including Keela. I want to bring... Okay, in terms of uh, NPCs that struck stuck with me, Hector, my boy... Also a fellow like reclusive engineer man and we're just gonna sit in a cave and invent things. Um, but narratively, Clara I think would definitely bring her family. First person would probably be her father because he lives alone in a trash heap now like not he's not living well. <laughs> as a as a trash collector on Baftoma for sure. Um, so that's who you're picking? I get two. Hector and my dad. Sorry. Uh, Leo, what about you? Uh, yeah, Mosh, uh, and because uh, he also wants like a safe haven for his family, which, as cold as this might be, still would be that. Sure. Uh, is November gonna bring anyone along? Um, I don't know that November really like 
formed any deep connections with anybody who wasn't um, an AI having a mental health crisis. Yeah. Um, Can we save her? Hannah will be okay. Hannah is a robot. Yeah, and I mean, too, like, November being so emotionally attached to Leo and, you know, seeing him be very stubborn about, like, treatment and, like, just being like, well, actually, what if I just leave and just you know, live out the end of my life in exile. Watching all that happen, uh, has November deeply regretting, like, every time they get close to someone? Because uh, it makes their job really hard. So, that's, that's, that's where the doctor's at. That's fair. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I like that these characters, I mean, this game is a, has a lot to do with, uh, suffering and um i think it's it's true that the impacts should be uh reflected on people like shana and like november who have uh been through a lot so i think the the precursor like sort of new haven we could call it on jasmine is um a pretty sparsely populated place at first with uh the four of you with clara's father I think Hector maybe prefers to stay on his uh, satellite, but then moves it into the orbit of Jasmine. So he's accessible by shuttle, but maybe not trying to be down with. Uh, I don't think he. I don't think he's a person who wants to be also in proximity to other humans very much most of the time. Um, but he's perfectly happy to shuttle up Clara and Fox and meet with you and discuss a plan for how to. Uh, build like technology that can detect the presence of Urbot so you can start tracking them down, um, stuff like that. I think that November obviously is in prime position to be the, the main physician of this project, particularly as these um, precursors return to human forms and maybe need help with uh, adjustments that way. And uh, Shayna, I think you are, yeah, you are a pilot here, right? You're mainly trying to... Um, keep everyone safe and in the direction they need to go as they begin this sort of big search. Um, I was thinking in, um, uh, because Shayna is like extremely wanted. Yeah, it's getting very wanted comical. So I think Shayna might not actually spend that much time at New Haven. I think she's taking it upon herself to like fly around, not stay in one place for too long. And maybe like she pops back Maybe with an Urbot if she can find him, because she has that map. But she's coming back for like a few days, a few weeks at a time and still mostly living in the Houndstooth. Are you happy that way? Yes and no. I think the Houndstooth is very much my home. And I felt that way at the beginning of the campaign. And I don't think that's changed. Like, I think Shana does have like a connection to the ship. So I think she like is more comfortable maybe living in a ship than she is living on world. But if everybody else is living on world, she did like having the people around in the ship. She liked the, uh, she liked having it populated. So now it's kind of just her and uh, Quincy, which is a little more lonely, but maybe they're, they're becoming good friends. I don't know. Maybe Ox would stay with you. Uh, that's the, I'm not, I don't know what Ox thinks. Uh, did you end up, I mean, you said you weren't going to bring anyone, but you also said you were interested in maybe retrieving Ox's daughter. I, I like the idea of retrieving Ox's daughter. I don't know. The way that you, um, framed it was kind of like, we all get to pick one person and it's like somebody we connected to. But I think maybe that's more of my connection to Ox. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, it, it's it, I try to mean it as like a pretty abstract, yeah. like you as a player tell me who ends up who ends up there, not like you as a character goes and like <laughs> says you're coming with me. Set the quest <laughs> yeah. marker. Yeah. So it's totally like to to get uh, Ox's daughter, you have to do the Ox subquest and mm-hmm. raise her hearts up to six. I had to bring Ox totally a fair. lot of borscht. Ooh, this is my favorite (laughs) gift. Thank you. How did you know? Flavorful soup? Yeah, I think she'd be all for that. On these cold, snowy nights. Yeah, so definitely I think it's possible uh, to bring along Ox's daughter, whose name is Katya, uh, who has been working and receiving money from Ox, uh, like pittances here and there to support herself, now that potentially have uh, access to Fox and Andarius who can make you very valuable precursor tech. Um, I think it's maybe slow to start because you don't have all of the facilities of Haven, but um, it's very possible for them to help secure a really stable cash flow, which is something that um, a lot of you have been lacking for most of your your lives here in Procyon Sector. Um, And maybe it really is a, a big shift to see what it's like to know that you can count on like a hot meal and like the supplies you need um, regularly from moment to moment. Can Katya and Kila and Clara become friends? Well, their names all sound the same, so they do this like very annoying teen girl <laughs> yeah. click thing. You can't be a part of it. Make each other friendship races. I think that's kind of also an interesting element actually that you bring up, which is like as much as it's uh, Clara and Jeeves who maybe their turn of events brought about this whole mission, this also is maybe an opportunity for Clara to like be a teenager a little bit. Uh, um, one really interesting part of her arc was how much she was like forced to just grow up and not have any kind of element of childhood for herself. So I love the idea of Clara maybe like still caring about this and working really hard towards it, but also like allowing herself to be a girl who was 16 who can like play around in the snow with her like stupid other yeah. friends. She's very awkward. Cool. So is Keela, though. Oh God, yeah. Uh, Katya's like, Super hot cheerleader. (laughs) She's a TikTok influencer. (laughs) She's kind of the blossom of the Powerpuff Girls. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Okay. uh, I'd like to maybe do a larger scene here and kind of touch on as many of these points as we can. Um, And I think I want to say that it's between eight months to a year since that uh, conversation at Club Nuff. Um, I think that the work has begun primarily the first few months on Jasmine were just setting up a place to live, the kind of basic tech that Fox needs to even do things like the diagnostic and the extraction. And uh, now you're ready to really start going out and looking. And luckily, if I recall, I think Shana knows exactly where the first Urbot you guys want to get already is. Um, and so I want to do the day that Shayna and Quincy return on the Houndstooth with name, the Urbot security guard at Ophelion <laughs> Station, home of the Procyon Cup. I hope his. Uh, I hope he doesn't change his wait, name. Wait, what? Who is? <laughs> do you not remember name? The. <laughs> There was this very weird thing where this Urbot security guard tried to stop you from breaking into a garage and Shayna was trying to distract it and she was like, what's your name? And it said name. And then Shayna just kept calling it name. Okay. That's actually the NPC I bonded the most with, you're right. (laughs) I do. It might be one of the only other canonical Urbot characters in the in the present visually in the campaign so um i thought that'd be a fun pick 
yeah, I think it's a snowy late afternoon on Jasmine. Shayna, as you and Quincy descend the hound's tooth down towards the landing pad, I think that you've got this like this collection of buildings that's a little bit out from the city of Jasmine, where the miners are. Maybe it's more nestled in the mountains. And uh, it's as far away from just about any civilization as you can possibly hope to get while still maintaining reasonable supply lines. Overhead, you can see the glinting silver of Hector's satellite uh, bobbing in orbit above you as he uh, works away on his little trash gizmos. And uh, who is there to meet you when you touch down on the landing pad? Who is there to meet me? I imagine um, Fox, for sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe Andaris and Clara, if Clara wants to. And also if anybody else wants to. I don't know how long I've been gone for, if anybody's just happy to see me, if, if I have any friends. Uh, we're, we're basically operating glorified business now here, Shayna, so. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Try to keep it professional, yeah. Uh, Shayna opens a door of the hound's tooth and down the landing pad in their little buggy that they've driven over from the main settlement. Yeah, is Fox and Andaris and Clara all bundled up against the snow. Um, Fox springs out of the driver's seat. He seems to have really taken to his um, his upgraded androgynous body. Now that he's gotten used to it. And he strides forward with uh, uh, sparks of excitement dancing in his eyes. And he says, uh, were you successful, Shayna? We were. It was uh, a bit dicey there at the end. Um, but, you know, it always is. Name? Uh, name could talk, which is different than Jeeves. Name is going to poke their head out and go. Yes. Uh, this is Fox. I Do you remember? Fox. Sorry, I, I don't remember you. Fox smiles kindly down at Name, uh, who's who's climbing down the stairs with the hound's tooth and says, Don't worry, uh, most of us don't remember anything at first, but it returns with time. We're very, very honored to have you here with the uh, Name. Clara says, didn't you try to shoot me once? Yes, and I'm very sorry about that, although I was simply doing my job protecting the... Uh, hangers at the Procyon Cup. I'm very glad uh, Captain Silver and Quincy were able to have a conversation with me about New Haven. I had no idea. I'm sorry. Wait, what's he apologizing for? Shooting you. Oh, it was just so sincere. Um, both Eli and Clara are very disarmed by how sincere this robot is. From Shayna's hand, Quincy pipes up and says, Yes, it seems as though it requires a good amount of convincing, and it might be difficult for some of these robots, depending on the state that we find them in, but Name could speak and could hold complete conversations, um, contrasting someone like Jeeves, of course, who's in a very different position. So I think there will be bots that will be more primed to receive our, our request, and there will be bots that might need to be... Um, We'll have to take it on a uh, case-by-case basis, but uh, if this is any any indication on how this might go, I think we're in a good we're in a good spot. I've downloaded every single resource in the galaxy on robot psychology and deprogramming, so I feel equipped to continue in our mission. Um, I I was supposed to read one of them on the way back, but it was boring. Shall we proceed? 
Claire kind of like almost hides behind Fox and Andari's, uh, and she's like, they have a, a, a thing. And I assume that Fox and Andari's have like a onboarding package. <laughs> Um, Fox is still talking to name, but Andaris, uh, wraps an arm around your shoulders and pulls you close to him. Uh, and he says, Clara, this is, uh, you shouldn't be shy. You shouldn't hide. This is all because of you. You should be so proud of yourself for what we're about to do today. Uh, I don't think she takes that moment so sincerely. She's like, I was so brood off the top I said he shot me I mean he did but that was dumb would you do me a favor will you go gather everyone and bring them to the diagnostic center I think everyone should be here to see this yes that I can do and she goes and gets everyone yeah let's follow Clara as as Fox and Andaris and Shayna and Quincy bring uh name the Urbot to the diagnostic center Clara what does it look like to navigate around the the settlement of New Haven and where are all your friends and crewmates what's going on Give us some flavor. For Clara, it's warm and nice. And I'm sorry to all of my crewmates who have like intense physical therapy and like for and like deep, deep <laughs> trauma. Whatever. But like, I, <laughs> I mean, Clara has some too. But honestly, like with this ending being kind of exactly like kind of the happiest possible ending for Clara, it's like, here's your sense of purpose. Here's a place for the people you love to belong. Like, here's all the things that you didn't get it's so for me emotionally it's really lovely but um physically it is respectfully not great yet um it's so disorganized because there are so much to do all the time there's just like boxes of anything like cables next to water next to like amniotic fluid all like jumbled up together um it's a mess it's chaos people are always running around and like yeah it's a place for it's also like a safe place you know so like teenagers are sometimes running around and dropping hammers and (laughs) causing (laughs) causing trouble where people are trying to work um but it's endearing i think there's a lot of duct tape a lot of duct tape and who do you go pick up uh well are you in commission how long later was this did we say you said like it's 10 months after yeah let's say let's say you know uh i i got a a a nice like uh wood carved cane Leah's taking up gardening. That's so funny because I was gonna say the same thing about me in the in the ice mountains Okay. Uh, so you know, you find him like he's got his like wood cane. You'd find him like 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 caressing the leaf. <laughs> <laughs> that has like a perhaps some of the first semblances of like uh, whatever fruit, like a blueberry adjacent type thing, which we've been like having trouble growing, but he's taken it upon himself to try to help make this 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 flourish. And it's like the, some of the first inklings of this like, you know, nice berry to make blueberry flavored ice cream that that that's that started to it's rear its head. Ice cream. 
everything they eat on Jesseline just is processed as ice cream because <laughs> it's the easiest you know, thing space to do. Ice cream, like they sell at the NASA gift shop. Yeah, November runs the ice cream yeah. parlor. Nice. It's, it's all coming together. So- <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> So Leo becomes the head of hydroponics. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just, well, the scraps a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. He's helping. Okay, sorry. Is there anything in this greenhouse space that I wonder um, in a in a more of a post-danger environment for Leo, how that element of um, mindfulness or meditation might manifest? Is this garden like a peaceful place with the things you have set up that kind of... Uh, Make it a, a calming yeah, space that, for you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that it's 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 a, a uh, <clears throat> it, it's it's for that same degree of like mindfulness and whatnot. While you know, actually having some active active goal and and, and a way to utilize that to to, uh, I think it's just become largely about like aiding life in general in all forms for Leo. These greenhouses, the glass panels on the walls, each have like circuitry embedded in them. And Clara, as you trudge through the snow and the howling wind through the mountains of Jasmine to get to Leo in the greenhouse, when you open, it's just like entering a completely different environment. It's calm. There's just the sound of gently rustling leaves and a warm, uh, heavy, damp, humid atmosphere engulfs you as you shut the door behind you. And yeah, Leo is um, gently tending to a blueberry bush. You'll never guess who's back. Well, you might. Only one person left. Who? Shayna, but someone's with her. Let's meet in the conference room. All right, I'll be along in a sec. I'll say, I'll say to the budding plant, I'll see you later, my little friend. Wow, <laughs> you've really gone soft, eh? Yeah, I think Clara says that. You, you've gotten. Have you noticed you've gotten a lot softer? Uh, I kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Still got it. I don't know if you know this, but no one can hear you scream in the greenhouse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And these plants need fuel. Blood mulch, yeah. yeah. Classic. Sarah rolls her eyes and is like, whatever, old man. I could just take your cane in your sleep. <laughs> Leaves. Well, that's Leo's life now, I guess. This is <laughs> bullied <Yeah>. by <laughs> bullied by all. It was supposed it was supposed to be banter, but you just made it sad. <laughs> Where's where can I find November? Uh, um, well, if the greenhouse is occupied, um, I think November's probably I don't know, uh, like painting in her room or something you like knock and she's you know, wiping the paint off her hands um and i think um there's like a small like cup of fresh cut flowers from the greenhouse that's like sitting on the maybe that's what she was painting but it's like it's also like for the occasion um so yeah they they grab that and uh and follow you Beautiful. I think it takes a while for me to find you because you're you seem to be flourishing. Like you could be in the greenhouse, the med bay, painting in your home, like hanging out with the mining people. Yeah, it's good. It's good to get off a spaceship and make friends. Yeah. Yeah, I think definitely it makes sense that November would appreciate um, above ground, not indoor spaces after being deprived for so long. 
I think this big, like this diagnostic center is one of the first uh, structures that got built in New Haven. Um, and it's very central and very comfortable and familiar for everyone to gather there. It's where the group meets to talk about their plans for the future or the supplies they need. Um, and inside November, as you uh, uh, follow Clara in, you can see uh, Shayna and Fox and their crew have already arrived. Uh, Leo is ambling up the path uh, with his cane. Katya uh, rolls up with her mother in Ox's wheelchair. She uh, sometimes needs help uh, after walking long distances. Her lungs aren't as good as they had been in the past. Uh, and she is happy to have Shayna return, of course. Mosh and Keela were working in some of the salvage rooms. Um, they process some gear that they find or steal or otherwise gather or barter or buy from the miners and they see what's usable here. And uh, this little kind of junky, rustic community is excited to welcome a new member. Um, there's a bit of a hush as uh, Fox and Andari's walk name up to the diagnostic pedestal. Uh, uh, weird like rough facsimile of the smooth featureless white panels of Haven and um, Fox turns to everyone and says uh, well you all know why we're here today uh, I I hope we can celebrate uh, a little bit does does anyone know how to celebrate how do you all like to, to celebrate this is a happy occasion Clara shouts, Shayna likes to drink. The crowd laughs good naturedly. <laughs> uh, Shayna, I think Shayna does have like a little bottle of champagne ready. She was like, and she, she, she like, so she pulls it out and she says, I feel a little more embarrassed about having this on the ready, but we can pop this. Huzzah. Huzzah. Some weak and scattered huzzas as uh, Andaris gently sits name down on this pedestal and Fox heads over to the terminal and starts typing in some commands. Um, it's not this beautiful, flashy, levitating and shining of emerald green precursor light. Instead, it's mostly that name slumps down on the pedestal and some of their visible circuitry starts to pulse a little bit. Um, you all wait with bated breath to see what's happening. And in the mind of an Urbot that is now known as Name, uh, a soul awakens. The soul of a woman named Namina, who, hey, yeah, you got lucky. Um, <laughs> who used to work within Daris on some of the mechanical projects on Haven, who was worried about leaving her family behind when the waystorms came and tore apart the planet, who reluctantly allowed herself to be upgraded into uh, an Urbot body and sent out into the reaches of the galaxy. That soul stirs for the first time in thousands of years. And when those apertures of names cameras flicker open, a new mind is looking out and looking at this small, uh, isolated, plucky community where uh, everyone is just trying their best to bring more and more people back. They look up into the eyes of Fox, who is standing over with a gentle and welcoming smile, and who looks down at Nomina and says, Welcome home.
Thanks for listening to Houndstooth, our scum and villainy campaign. We hope you had as much fun listening to it as we had recording it. Uh, we are going to do our little debrief now that we've done for the ends of our campaigns. We're kind of packaging it all into one episode just because of how the recordings fell. But um, it, now it's time to ask the cast what they thought about this game that they played and, and how it all shook out. So uh, first, I want everyone to go around and maybe just say a bit about their characters that they ended up playing, the dynamics they had with the rest of the cast. Were they similar or different to other games we played? Were the things you liked or found frustrating about your characters? Uh, what's going on with this beautiful, beautiful spaceship crew? And I'm going to start with our captain, Shayna. I want to tell you about a gag I had planned that I forgot about every episode. And then after the episodes, I remembered I wanted to do, do it. it. Yes. Um, which was I wanted to have her dye her hair whenever she got really upset or stressed. And I just, I just, every, there was, the, I remember the first time I missed it and I was like, shit, I'll do it next time. And it kept happening that I kept like not bringing, mentioning it. So if you go back and re-listen, imagine our hair changes color after every like two episodes. Sort of a reverse gag where you laugh at the absence of the gag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like an anti-joke. Anti-joke. In our other campaigns, not that the parties necessarily had like leaders, but um, certainly, Jury, your characters have not been ones in possession of like much authority. How did it feel being the the captain of the ship? I was bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a harsh judgment that you're okay, making okay, about okay. yourself. Um, I definitely was stressful. <laughs> It was stressful. Um, I didn't like, it's not like I didn't like enjoy doing it or anything, but definitely um, I I missed a little bit, little Declan and having no, no, nothing going on up there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Just arf arfin. Especially like, um, as you know, I am and have called me out on being a people pleaser. So when people are <laughs> mad at me, I'm like, everyone's like me at all times even if it's a fictional character who i'm trying to cause conflict on purpose (laughs) (laughs) so that's hard that's definitely hard and i i think um i i think i don't know what i would do have done differently if i like did it again but it's definitely that's like that's not like a comfortable place for me to be well, I definitely commend you for for um, taking the opportunity in this game to try a character that's very different for you and doing something that might not necessarily be the most uh, direct or relatable or comfortable thing. Like, I think that um, definitely showed us a different side of, of you as a role player, which I think is really cool. That was like therapy. Yeah. And how did it make you feel? I just told you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about Clara, the mechanic. <laughs> that's been Clara the mechanic let's move on to Leo yeah okay um, <laughs> yeah so Leo um, uh, it was interesting because I didn't think I initially I didn't really want Leo to because his augs were like acting up that was the whole thing at the start and obviously through the whole thing I didn't want, like, I gave him the scrap and stuff, but I didn't, like, I just wanted him to be capable of it. I didn't want it to be something that was, like, constant. It just felt like, when I when I do my stats, I always am like, okay, well, like, what is this person actually, like, good at? And so, yes, he would be proficient at that, but it wasn't, like, me trying to be like, I'm trying to scrap all the time, which is going to sound extremely counterintuitive because I felt that the system a bit made it, but it was like, oh, even in the first couple episodes, I was like, oh, everyone's failing a lot of roles. I was like, <laughs> I was like, 
I guess I'm going to be doing this a lot because like, which is kind of interesting because I guess that's like something that's both a blessing and a curse of the system of like, I felt like cornered in some ways to do that. Cause I was like, Oh, if like I need to do this to get some of these successes in, which does aid in like generating stress. And, and I think like kind of ferrying uh, a, a character towards certain goals depending on what how the dice rolls go. In my case, I was just trying to foster them being positive and being like uh, biased towards what I'm good at yeah. to not get as much stress and not take as much trauma and stuff, even though like I did welcome it willingly sometimes. Um, so I just thought that was interesting how it was kind wow. of, and it is kind of part and parcel to what he's supposed to be of like, I'm trying to get away from my past and then uh, circumstances are forcing me back to the thing that I'm trying to not be and it's like even the game system in some way or at least the way the game system and the way that I build build my characters made it so that that was like an inevitability it's like oh like if I don't come in and do this scrap mm -hmm. if someone has like one scrap in this system they're very prone to fail um, so it's kind of interesting that it was kind of, uh, it kind of forced that 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 narrative, which was welcomed. Yeah, that this that's interesting. This game definitely does funnel you, obviously, like many RPGs do, towards like conflict, if not outright combat. And um, it's interesting to me because Leo struck me as a character very different than, say, I don't know why I do this like psychoanalysis thing. I guess I just like it. But looking at like Mateo and and Riri and Knox, who are characters who I'd all say are very like treble makey to some degree like leo felt like this person who was very much trying to be peaceful and affable and sort of like dragged back down into conflict all the time uh, which i thought was a really again a very unique dynamic from for jordan yeah trouble seemed to find us rather than go seeking it out i think a couple times i probably was seeking it out here and there but i, I like to think i don't really a lot of time i just felt like in one case it was literally oh like the room's on fire well, I, 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 I guess I'm shooting people now. <laughs> yeah, it is someone, I don't know who, but someone in this call must have been presenting problems all the time to be overcome. If you ever find out who that was, <laughs> um, weird. let me know. We've got to stop that guy. Um, what about November, the uh, the doctor aboard the ship? What did you think of uh, your, your character there, Jillian? I have a lot of feelings all the time. It's the double Pisces. I didn't know November as well as some of the characters that I make like before we started the game. So a lot of the stuff came afterwards. Things like November loving um, the TV show. Um, <laughs> God, what's it called? Black Grubat? The Adventures Black of Black Grubat. Black Grubat, baby. There we go. Yeah. I mean, even even like the even like the ice cream thing like kind of became a joke. But I mean. This game's like, oh, I'm so gritty, uh, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, like, it doesn't it doesn't always just have to be like alcohol and drugs. So, um, trying to you know make that interesting and, um, yeah. I mean, I struggled. I think with like the party composition, like my main use, like the character's main like mechanical value was like in downtime. Um, mm -hmm. patching everybody back up because as soon as you get injured, like significantly, there's dice penalties. And in this, in, in this game, you can't afford a dice penalty um, because you're dealing with a dice pool system, um, which I found really punitive in a lot of ways. So yeah, it was hard for me to try and figure out like what 
what is November like doing on these missions? Like you can like the doctor stitches main move is that you can like use your doctor rating to roll out their stuff, like at the cost of stress. Um, and then you're trying to like rationalize why they can do that. Um, so yeah, in terms of like a doctor, November is not like them. I will never hurt anybody. It's like, well, actually I kind of have to, because if we don't, we all die mm-hmm. and then your injuries get worse. Yep. Um, yeah. So I just tried to cause more like emotional conflict, um, <laughs> on the other side, because it's like, yeah, well it's like, okay, here I am like patching everybody up all the time. And like, let's take a look at why that's happening is because mechanically, you know, Shane is traumatized in episode one and is making reckless decisions and you know it's like exciting and I thought that was like interesting conflict but um yeah it was I think like kind of a challenge for me to like work with this system and this character and like the how everything just interacted yeah I I definitely think I saw elements of that and I also felt as a GM like challenged to be like are there interesting ways that like the presence of a doctor might like change or enhance like this kind of scenario um trying to like so there's there's a good <laughs> there's a good amount of like medical content all across the galaxy that we tried to like create um but definitely it's something where as a class like compared to something i guess equivalent like a whatever cleric in like a fantasy game how how just like a literal doctor can be very um boxed in that way it's interesting mm. um i'm going to give Eli another chance for Clara <laughs> Well, Clara was good and bad. Like, on a personal level, I feel that I failed a little bit because I went in being like, because I know that Jesse does this psychoanalyzing. Jory <laughs> always does plays this kind of character. You're going to get a bad grade in role-playing game, which is possible to achieve and desirable. I, like, secretly wanted to stump you a little bit, but... It just didn't work. Like, I was like, I'm going to go in making Clara vastly different. Like, you know, like I was like, she's emotionless. She has trouble expressing her behavior. She's very, like, utilitarian. She's very, like, the needs of the many. Um, And, like, I have maybe a little bit, but I had so much trouble letting that shine through. Like, and I was, and I was so, so aware of it the whole time. And I didn't say anything, but I was like, just like um, Captain Olivet, like she wants to do good, but she's emotionally stunted. Ugh, like I, I have an mo. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't stray enough from it, and so like I feel like I failed my own personal challenge to be very different. At the same time, I really loved Clara. I grew like very, very attached to her. Probably my second favorite if not my favorite character that i've played mm-hmm. wow um i'm yeah i'm more i think i'm i mean definitely more attached than anna gale yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. who was like it was very stressful to play in a different way um but like yeah the whole time i was playing clara i was like oh i love her so much this is like <laughs> great i love clara but also my next character is going to be like an emotionally mature old man <laughs> <laughs> i can't I'm, wait i'm playing hector now 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I hope you're not like beating yourself up too much or anything. I think that every time you play a role-playing game, what you end with is not what you picture happening at the start. And that's also true for me as like a GM, the way the, the campaign can go. So you enjoy playing this character. I think you definitely learned a lot about um, the system, the game, and also like what you liked or didn't like about it. So I think, and you also had fun. So at the end of the day, that's like its own kind of rewards, right? Yes. Overall, good experience. Happy with what happened. Love Clara. Can't emphasize that enough. Just set a, like a little side quest in my brain and it was like, but that's fine. Who knows? Yeah, maybe maybe it's we oops all emotionally mature old men next time. <laughs> nice. Except for, like, yeah, never mind. Except for who? I was going to say Jordan can play a teen because he was an old emotionally mature man this time. But he already did teen, though. It's like the reincarnation yeah, cycle. No, like, after you're old man, you're back to teen. <laughs> it's very strange. A couple of comments came up when we were talking about these characters about scum and villainy as a system, which, like, I'm, I feel like there's a lot to say. There were some things that I found really, really cool and engaging about this, and some things I found very, very frustrating and confusing about trying to make scum and villainy not only work as a game, but work for this podcast. Um, so I definitely want to hear the everyone's thoughts on, on Scum and Villainy. I really enjoyed the way we played it personally. Like I, in terms of play, I like things that are crunchy a lot of the time, Mm -hmm. but I also recognize that like, there's a lot of things that we modified basically immediately off the top (laughs) or things that we just like dropped instantly, like didn't even do them once. Mm -hmm. So I liked it, but. We didn't, I don't know if you could say we played, like, true, true. Yeah, remember where we were supposed to have, like, a thing to go into missions where we, like, rolled dice and then we, like, went in, like... (laughs) We did that once. We prepared one. We did it a couple times. It ended up being, yeah, very... I felt it was very clunky and it kind of stopped you guys from just, like, role-playing your way into missions. And so I felt very, like, prohibited by that. But then it's tricky because so many of the systems, like, Jillian made a good point, which is, like there's a lot of consequences and, and definitely certainly punishments and like all of those systems really tie into each other. And there's obviously meant to be like a balance there from a design perspective. So it was definitely some points of frustration where it's like, well, we're trying, we're not really using this system because we don't really find it useful as like a storytelling tool, but like the game expects you to use it. So if I give you ship damage and it like doesn't really matter because we're not spending much time in the ship or like it's very easy to repair it or like, you get a an advantage on an effect, but we're not really using effect because it will make every roll take three times as long. Like, how do you, how do you, yeah, I, I felt very challenged finding the balance between like honoring the mechanics and like letting you guys do stuff that was interesting and fun to you. Yeah, one thing I think to consider is that this system is designed for you to play like a bunch of like very scrappy people in like a really hard universe it's like kind of got that cyberpunk like depression like depressing you're under the heel of like horrible space capitalism military imperialism and you can't escape it like there's never enough money there's never enough time you never have enough resources (laughs) and living in our current situation of 2022 like it just it doesn't feel great like to play in a really hopeless space. <laughs> so I think that's one of the reasons I was really challenged by it because it, even like mixed successes felt like losses and as opposed yeah. to wins. And it was like, 
okay, well, we're not really telling, like, we didn't come into this designing, like, a story of, like, loss or, like, desperation or hopelessness. Um, I don't think that's really what we're going for when the system was. So I think that's part of the reason we were having conflict. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, Scott would really chews you up and <laughs> spits you That's no there. fucking joke. You've got to be ready for shit to go bad often to play this game. Yeah, well, Jillian yeah. has a fair point there, too, because it's like, yeah, the mix of success can sometimes also feel like a failure, but even further still, to get that success or that mix of success requires taking something that's debilitating first. Mm-hmm. If it's, unless mm-hmm. it's something that, like, I think... I don't want like yeah I, I obviously like the whole three scrap thing was like a bit but it was also like a lot of us didn't have three in anything I think or maybe something that I had three helm we had like three in like our thing or what I was about to say or rather something that didn't come up all of the time that's true scrap came up a lot more then uh, and so it was like when it wasn't that three skill it was like okay I gotta take stress like I gotta mm-hmm. do something that is like uh, a negative which is great it does drive like things to happen but it can also then be counterintuitive because then it's like you know you're trying to do something that's you know feels not like a given or maybe it would just be interesting if it could happen and it's like okay so i'm gonna take like eight stress i'm gonna use our gambit i'm gonna like i'm gonna have eight dice to roll for this Mm -hmm. like it's a big move and then it's like everyone's faces would sink you know you'd throw it and you'd be like yeah i got my highest is two (laughs) okay i guess i die (laughs) sink everything into a roll and the game's like nah it doesn't matter yeah the stakes are always really high yeah, I wonder if there's like room to find maybe systems or like elements that we didn't use or use well enough or like things that we could add ourselves to um, put in the option of like a more guaranteed success. Like in if you have like a, a forward in Monster Hearts or some like probably Apocalypse game, it's like it raises your percent of success so much higher than adding an extra die to this pool does. Um, so from a design yeah. perspective, yeah, I totally agree with what Jordan's saying. I mean, I'm always a big fan of 5e still, but it's like difficulty class. I think it's a fantastic, you know, thing that shows exactly that. It's like opening a door while you only got to get like a two mm-hmm, or yeah. whatever, you know, like it, it feels representative of the difficulty of it. And it feels like when you add things on top of those dice rolls, like in that case it could be like, oh, well, I have three strength, like plus three to strength rolls and the difficulty of opening a door is two. Like you can get zero and still open the door. Yeah. Like yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I like that type of stuff. I was gonna say I, I hate to be that TTRPG bitch, but <laughs> I do re- really like Five E in that exact way. Is that it's like if you're really good at something, like you're the best at something, you have to be like you have a one in twenty chance at failing something. Mm-hmm. Like you're probably gonna be okay. Yeah, and I, I like that. And three point five yeah. has the like take ten stuff where it's like if you're not in like a rushed panic situation and it's like assured that you would do it eventually, you can mm-hmm. just like say you do it. Yeah. Yeah. And Powered by the Apocalypse also has a failing forward mechanic where like failure is Mm. what advances like your character and like getting new moves Mm -hmm. and things like Monster Hearts or Monster of the Week. Um, So in that way, like failure is designed to be interesting because it also rewards you. Um, So I I like to be rewarded for my failures. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess this has it a little bit in the trauma thing like that kind of felt a little bit like a corruption but trauma didn't really give you anything that you wanted it gave me XP when I said (laughs) this is reckless thanks 
and that was but good. But it also had to change your personality. That's the part that I had the most trouble mm. with. I was like, now Claire's cold, and I don't know how to be cold. I remember you struggling with that. Yeah, it did. It does like specifically say like use like have this change your personality as much or as little as you want. It's just it gives you XP yeah. if you use it. It's interesting that it is a game that tries to have that map to again what Jordan says about it, like grinding you down and it, like mm-hmm. invites you to consider how your character would change as they are like ground down by the gears of space imperialism as julian notes um yeah i can't think of any other games that's like you should try playing ruder now <laughs> like that's kind of an interesting <laughs> in its own way um another thing that i i want to get everyone's takes on which is very interesting to me and very experimental i feel for us was the fact that this was very like episodic like we changed what we were doing week to week um i found it both to be a blessing and a curse. I don't think there are any episodes of this campaign where it's like, nothing really happens. The gang just like, there's none of that. There's 0% of that. Every episode has something interesting, different, fresh happening. But it was, I think it also definitely for me felt like it was harder to um, build you guys a world where you could sort of like grow. Like because you're seeing the same NPC once in a very long while, that relationship can't deepen because there's like a new hot potato of problem dropped in your lap every 30 seconds it's like do you have the time to explore what it means to like chill out or whatever in a way that some of the episodes of like lakeshore or tallow are just like sitting in a tavern essentially or like whatever how did you guys feel about how active everything was and how often it changed (laughs) um emotional like representative um (laughs) as the feelings queen of feelings um i uh i i struggled with that because like one of the reasons like i really like playing these games or like being able to you know build and change relationships over time so being forced to like really only do that with the people on the ship um felt a little bit isolating i think you're right that the episodicness of it like kept it fresh and interesting and i really loved like the procyon cup arc like i think that was hilarious and i think that's us using this system in like a really interesting way and how like player actions can like really like change the plot like that felt um, like the the best kind of zone for it. Um, love a heist. I think it just had everything. Um, like a good, you know, it was like a buffet of all like the, the things you like about space and like the things that this game can do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I love a long game. I do. So I like... Tried to achieve that a little bit with like November's feelings about Leo, but um, yeah, you know, it just yeah, I uh, I like I like a long term plan and like the constant short interruptions were uh, a bit of a struggle, but with the infrequency of our recordings, it was also nice because I didn't have to remember the plot. <laughs> that's true. That I honestly, that's. That's kind of to roll up and be like, what are we doing? I mean, if this is like, yeah, like a home game where you're playing like once every couple of months, it's like, I don't need to be like, well, you are my enemy from this. Can just be like, we're going to the desert moon now. <laughs> and I think you made an interesting point too, which is that like um, uh, the only characters you could really kind of do long form dynamics with were the other crewmates. And to me, that is one thing I would celebrate as like kind of a win here was that 
from the fucking top of the campaign, you guys knew each other and you had opinions about each other and you talked about how, like you were constantly in each other's business and stuff and your actions impacted all of the rest of the crew all of the time. I thought that was really, like this This felt like the most, does like lived in make sense? Like I yeah. could understand what it was like for you guys to spend time together on the ship. And I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, we focused on ensemble building. So I think that started to shine yeah. through, like that we have the, capacity to do that well yeah I really loved like the way yeah the way that people would go after Shayna for some of her decisions my I think my one of my favorite memories is always going to be the like robot rights elevator standoff in the Koyama headquarters I thought that was like such a great like bringing the way these characters feel to a head in a way that like furthers the mission of the week but also who these characters are like oh I really 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 love that scene yeah, I agree. I love that it was like, we have conflict. We, you know, like, kind of sometimes like times Clara and November, like straight up didn't like each other. Yeah. But it wasn't mm-hmm. like recount where it was like, and now I fucking hate you and I'm going to like spill your dress and call you a bit or spill something on your dress and call you a bitch. It's like, we still have to work together at the end of the day and like coexist. Exactly. There's so many levels in between like best friends and enemies. And like this game maybe gave us opportunity to explore them a bit. Yeah, I agree. I love that. I think we're out of Jillian time. We can probably keep going if Jillian needs to leave, but do we want any final Jillian words? If you want to, if you want to mention, I was going to keep this brief, but if you want to mention any favorite NPCs or moments, that was going to be one of the last things we're going to ask about. I said my favorite thing was the Procyon cup because it was everything. So use that. Okay. Cool. (laughs) Okay. I think we should like wrap this up soon anyway. So if you have any thoughts about favorite NPCs or moments, Jory. Favorite NPCs or moments. Um, The Procyon Cup was really good. I really liked the uh, Baftoma arc as well. Probably for a lot of the same reasons. Because that was, I think, um, I think we did the best when we had like a two-parter that was still episodic. But like Mm -hmm. we could like fit a little bit more character in um because like for example an episode like I, we talked a little bit uh during the game about the jocelyn episode which you we were like ah the whole time <laughs> yeah, yeah um that was like a one-parter with a really compact storyline and then we just kept failing and it was like <laughs> um yeah. whereas a ga- episode like um baptoma i think we didn't do awesome on that. I feel like we also kept failing a little bit on that, but... But more room to say, okay, 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 here's how we're going to play that failure into, like, something new. Exactly. Whereas Jasleen was like, when we failed, we failed, and we were like, boy, is that yeah. clock ticking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I also liked... Um, I, I, I do, as Jillian said, there was a heist, there was a party, mm-hmm. um, there was Clara's family drama... We got everything. It's New York's hottest club. (laughs) What about uh, Eli and Jordan? Favorite moments or NPCs? Sounds like a cop out, but I really, really liked this system in season. Like, I liked all the NPCs. I liked all the moments. Like, even when you were like, pick an NPC, I was like, okay, Masha's niece. Like, (laughs) give me Hector. Give me my two siblings and my mother and my father. And give me, like, Ox's uh, daughter. Like, throw that in. Like, I just, I really, really enjoyed it. I like the pacing, too, of the, like, the stakes are always high, but they're not so high because it's kind of, like, bottled. 
Yeah, that's a what Eli says about that. Like there being so many characters. Like I, I did again like that opportunity for the week to week where it's like I can just sit down at my computer and draft up notes for a second. Be like, what's the most high concept? Like there are things that I wanted to include in Lakeshore, but I wanted to focus on like a main story or like things in town. I want to focus on the main story. This is like fuck, there should be a Block Groupat episode. There should be a Ghost Ship episode. There should be, like, an Aliens yeah. Rip episode. And this That's system right. allows you to, like, just pack all of that in there and just pick, like, yeah, every, like, I can make this crazy trash grandpa. I don't have to worry about, like, the ramifications <laughs> or, like, does they come back or not? Because they can come back if they want them to come back. Femi was not meant to be, like, a recurring character. And I think when Jory was editing it, she was like, should I leave more of this in? Is Femi going to come back? I, I wonder if we should, like, leave more of this dialogue in. And I was like, it sounds like Femi's going to come back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also liked like more of a if I like if it makes sense like a TV format mm-hmm. rather than a long movie format you know you're like a lot of the interactions are sp- sparsed out here and there and they're subtle but like we have time to work through them and network TV yeah. versus like a bingeable Netflix totally. one drop very much very much how about Jordan favorite moments or NPCs uh I can't uh, this may have had a couple times I did like when I would take the time to confront Jory and be like, if you make this My decision. My favorite NBC was when Jory was upset. <laughs> uh, I, I would be like, if you make this decision, like, I think this decision's not good. If you make this decision, like, I will I will have, like, a lesser opinion or we'll have, like, something of you. And then Jory would be like, in the conversation, would be like, I hear you. I hear you. And they would be like, all right, so what we're going to do <laughs> is the thing. And then, like, I, I'd be like, uh, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, we're doing the thing. All right. <laughs> uh, I was, I love that. Uh, I love that. Yes. NPC uh, wise, I mean, Mosh is my my dude. He was pretty cool. He was a pretty cool dude. Very, uh, you know. What did you think of Doctor Shakespeare? I, I I had mixed. I liked at first. I was like, "Who's this guy? What's this guy? What's going on? Who? What?" And then and then I think once we got into like this, like in the medical bay thing, I thought that it was it was it was, he, he became a lot more interesting than for me, uh, just because it was kind of this like, you know, I mean, it was kind of sus at first, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, and it still stayed a little bit that way during, but but like so, I just felt it was it was in a good way like complex to the degree of like never fully knowing his true intentions, even after like leaving to some degree, like which was which was which was good. The only thing with that, I guess, I was like, and I guess it's good I didn't end up getting it. I was like, oh shit, like I can get just like cured. Like I almost like didn't want that to, like. Uh, to happen because I was like oh well then I'll just be like good like it just felt maybe the the time of that would be like if if that happened and like went through and it was like successful without a hitch or something if that was even possible it would be like okay uh, like I guess I'm just chilling like you know like trying a big part of that identity would have been hard to reconcile yeah, I think it it's a, a classic kind of trope, and I think it's very interesting to have that element of, like, the temptation of what is it like to, to leave this world behind. I think there was, like, elements of it, say, in Lakeshore when Kitty and Philip just, like, abscond from the city for a few episodes. Um, I think it's always interesting to see how these characters, like, respond to that. And, yeah, I, def- I definitely think that, like, if, if they hadn't broken Leo out of the hospital at the Koyama headquarters, he might have just, like, stayed and maybe 
Leo, Jordan could have rolled up a new character. Yeah. Jordan could just play Quincy from then on. <laughs> nice. nice. Can't can't go anywhere. Oh yeah, no, there was that. There was uh, yeah, me deciding in the thing to to capture our floating cube. Totally. Yeah, that was unplanned, great. unexpected, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Those were all my key questions. Again, I wanted to keep this on the trim side. Are there any other things about scum and villainy people want to mention? Baba Booey. Thank you for writing it, Jesse. Yeah, really thank you. Oh, we had fun. Thanks for playing it. I thought it was very different. I thought it was very interesting. Um, and what I always say and what continues to be true is that I love that this podcast allows us to try. Like, I I don't think I would ever have, like, gotten myself to buy this book and, like, pick it up and play a whole campaign through it if we didn't have this opportunity. So I think that's very, very cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening to our debrief of Houndstooth, our scum and villainy campaign. I do want to tell you that coming up next, we are going to have a few one shots to make up our off season as usual. Keep an eye out for special guests or enemies on the pod as well. If you are just if this is if the very final final episode of this campaign happens to be your first episode of Many Realms because you are not good at counting numbers. Uh, check us out at the Realms Cast on Twitter or Instagram, or go to Patreon.com/ManyRealms. We do have things like bonus episodes. We do take bloopers from every single episode and upload them. It's called the Gafazaleum. It's very, very funny. Not every episode, but all the episodes have good jokes in them. And we have like GM notes. We have like custom art and stuff. It's a really bumping joint. Um, we. Yeah, we're going to switch to our monthly schedule, as we mentioned in the outro notes of the Houndstooth finale. We're going to get you some fresh one-shots. And then, I don't know if we should tease, could the person who is planning to run Season 5 of Many Realms please speak now? Oh, it's me? Ah, that's right. We are looking at a, <laughs> a Jordan campaign upcoming, so... Fucking buckle up for that. None of us know how that's going to yeah. go. <laughs> At least of all, Jordan, I think. And stay tuned, Realmers. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the other side. Bye.